Blog Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to Live Dharma Sunday. If you have called in to listen to this morning's broadcast, please note that all lines have been placed on mute to avoid background interference. If you are joining us from either the Bright Dawn Ning site or the Blog Talk Radio site, please note that it is not necessary to call in. If you are experiencing loss of audio or the Blog Talk Radio player is not working properly, please refresh your page and hit the play button once more. It may take a few moments for your browser to complete the buffering process. Once again, welcome to Live Dharma Sunday and enjoy the broadcast. Welcome, everyone, to Live Dharma Sunday for October 8th, 2017. Koyo Kobose here. So very, very glad you joined us. Well, the temperature is nice and temperate. Autumn is a nice time of year. Little Indian summer might be cool in the morning, but then in the late morning, it starts to warm up. It's nice to be outside. A lot of people doing chores. And myself included, yesterday I planted um, five rows of Sharon plants. And I was thinking about the Dharma of plants a little bit. Um, in the sense that, uh, well, gardening in general, of course, is a popular hobby or activity for many people. And my father was a professional landscape gardener by training in Japan. And he had his um, uh, small business, uh, landscape business taking care of uh, yards people's and he had about I don't know he said 90 clients he had a truck he had an assistant when he was a young man in the um, Oakland Piedmont area in the Bay Area in Northern California Uh, and this was very common uh, for Japanese and Japanese Americans in California, uh, and I guess maybe uh, Hispanic people have kind of taken over that that type of business. Um, certain ethnic groups uh, specialized in certain activities, like um, Indian uh, India Indians. 
have a 7-Eleven. They manage those stores and or franchises, whatever. And of course, in the old days, Chinese laundries and you know, restaurants and things like this. But anyway, I'm, I'm digressing. But I was thinking that so the Dharma of plants could include um, perspective of history. Um, it could include the interdependency, interconnection in a family. And as I think of my father's interest, lifelong interest in gardening, even though after he became a minister, um, he always took care of the the yard and he was always raking leaves <laughs> around the temple. And one thing he did was he, when he tra- made, traveled, say he was asked to be a guest speaker out of state and and uh, many times he brought back little plants and then he would plant these um, at home. And so I started doing that too, you know, and it makes it a nice feeling, a kind of like a, not a family ritual or anything like that, but I kind of join that gardening community that appreciates uh, living things and you have an eye for that when you travel and so forth. Um, and, I, and, it, and it's about sharing life together with family and friends and looking back at nice memories. And one memory was I was asked to be a guest speaker in Hamilton, Canada. And I was staying at a uh, congregation members uh, home and it happened that the lady of the house was a um, gardener and had a lot of flowers around the house and in fact she had won some kind of award for having an outstanding garden and uh, so I was talking about the fact that my father would often bring a plant back and so she got she 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 got a Rosa Sharon, and she said, "Oh, take this back uh, f- for your father. He was still living then." And and um, I said, "Okay." And uh, Hamilton is an interesting little town because uh, that area in Ontario is um, uh, geologically there's a big Uh, escarpment, I guess you would call it. And so maybe around a hundred feet or so, there's, there's, um, you know, uh, difference in elevation, sort of like a cliff. Uh, And that dominates the way that people have to drive around and dominates the landscape there where all of a sudden they're, you know, Town is here, and then if you want to go certain direction, well, if you go, if it's in the direction of this long escarpment, then you got to go around and 
I had never been in a town that had that kind of a geological formation around there. But anyway, she gave me this plant. And of course, going to Canada from Chicago, I had to go through customs. And so someone mentioned, well, you, I don't think you can take agricultural products. You know, they might confiscate it at customs. And it's all too bad. Then <laughs> this lady was pretty clever. She took the plant and then she went in the back in another room and then she brought back it wrapped up in gift gift paper wrapping. And she said, Here's a gift for your father. You don't know what's in it. <laughs> so I, I said, Okay and I took it back. And we planted it. Uh my father said, well, why don't you plant it at your place? So I did in in suburb of Chicago in Skokie. And sometimes when I have time and I am visit Chicago uh, after we moved to California, oftentimes I'd go back, drive, drive by the old place, that the old house where we used to live for 20-something years and... Uh, well, I'd take a look at the plants, <laughs> you know. Uh, and that Rosa Sharon is doing fine in the backyard. And in front of the house, um, near the sidewalk, uh, medium, medium strip there, you know, near the street, there's a, a ginkgo tree that I planted. Someone had donated, I think it was the funeral home, when we when my father passed away, a funeral home ordered a memorial tree from a company that specializes in doing this and sent a small, maybe a two-foot bare root tree uh, with a little memorial plaque sort of. And, we, and I remember, and I planted that in front of our Skokie house and notified uh, the village of Skokie uh, if it's okay and because it was on that you know right next to the street there and any trees that are the many sub trees that are there they take care of those trees or if the branches need trimming or something put it on the list they said okay (laughs) you know and that tree is pretty big now okay and one time I was visiting my sister in Chicago, and uh, they have some Rosa Sharon bushes around their house, and underneath there's some what called little volunteers, or and, you know, just small shoots that are maybe only about four or five inches tall. And um, so I dug, I dug up some of them in plastic bag. I put a little, wet a little paper towel and put it around the, the roots. Put it in a plastic bag and put it in my luggage. And get home and plant them in pots. And uh, a few years later, now they're well, maybe four or five foot tall. Nice roses, Sharon, you know, and. Here in uh, Central California, October is a 
is the optimal month to to plant trees. Uh, has a, we have still a little bit of time. Our first frost date is in the middle of November, and uh, <clears throat> nice temperate time, not stressed by the hot summer, and they still have a little time to get their roots established. So fall, early fall is a time when uh, for tree planting time. So I had been thinking about this, and I went and uh, got these five that were in pots. I started them in, of course, small pots, and then when they got bigger and I transplanted them into larger pots, and so I took these larger pots and went down into my uh, corral area. You know, previous owners had a built this horse corral. They had two horses, a lot of, a lot of private residents in this unincorporated area where we live in do have horses. And, um, I had converted it into, uh, my garden area and along the fence, I decided to, I thought it'd be nice. I'd, I'll plant these Rosa Sharon's because they have beautiful flowers that last quite a while, you know, in the spring and summer and, and uh, uh, so I did yesterday, and I had, I had, it's a pretty big job, so I had done it earlier days. I had dug the holes and, you know, all kind of things that you don't expect. There might be some hard pan uh, underneath certain areas or, you know, because there's a lot of uh, boulders, and some of the boulders are in the ground, and I mean, and, <laughs> and topsoil is not very deep in certain areas if there's rocks under there. Boulders, big, large boulders, landscape boulders, I guess. Um, and then maybe I have to, I had this drill with a certain drilling bit, and I tried to break through this hard pan for one particular hole. Okay. Other places, oh, it was easy to dig. You know, you think, oh, dig a hole. <laughs> well, that could get involved. Uh, uh, and I put in some, I, ha- I have a compost pile. And uh, some years ago, I had built a screening frame out of scrap pallet wood and uh, use a, a half-inch screening hardware cloth, they call it, and made a kind of like a screen, screening thing. And, and I put the the compost from the pile into the screen, and then I screened it into my my uh, wheelbarrow. And so it removes all the stones and twigs and other things and makes it nice, nice uh, compost. So I put that in the hole, and I... I don't know if it's necessary or all the technical details about it, but I I ordered some perlite and vermiculite. These are kind of uh, certain materials that kind of loosen up soil and absorbs water and, you know, keeps water in the soil. So I added these materials, and I added a little... Um, 
kind of it's kind of a fertilizer, I guess, but it's a sulfur-based uh, ammonium sulfate, and it, um, sulfur acidifies the soil as a soil amendment, and uh, <clears throat> in our area, this broad uh, area, there's a the soil is very alkaline. The water, you know, is, it, it does that and so forth. So it's nice to acidify the soil. Um, plants like soil to be uh, sort of neutral, I guess, in pH. So I add that to to uh, kind of amend the soil, and I mix it all up. I put water in it, and then I get the plants and plop them in there and mix it with the surrounding soil. You don't want it to be too rich in the hole uh, because it'll be like then when the roots start to spread and they hit the regular soil, they say, well, I want to stay here. (laughs) And so in a sense, you sort of make a little pot, you know, if, if you, Make the, so you want to mix it up at least fifty percent with the surrounding soil, um, and you want to make the hole not very narrow, but wide, so that and they have root, the roots will easily spread out, and all these little tricks—not tricks, but techniques, I guess—of planting trees. Um, you know, and you can't just dig a hole and put it in there. <laughs> And so I'm, I finished it up and I got some uh, wood chips. Uh, When I, when I first came here, of course, my, I have some, a lot of cousins and uncles and in the area, since my mother was from this area, uh, Fowler, which is south of Fresno, Fresno's about half an hour south of us. And, um, So this whole Central Valley, San Joaquin Central Valley area, we have a lot of relatives, and it's really nice. And it's nice in the sense that these uh, relatives have, you know, they're local for a long time here, and so they know about gardening and agriculture things. So uh, one of them told me about, uh, you know, when this is an aside, but. So I read some. I read a little interesting tidbit once that, you know, when two artists get together, um, well, I don't know if you call them professional artists, but they're, you know, they're real artists. When two artists get together, they don't talk about art in terms of, oh, you know, art theory or art history or oh, the Baroque period or something. They talk. What they talk about is, hey, you know, where you can get a good deal on paints. You know, so in the same way, when I talk to relatives around here, when I'm going starting to do gardening and they tell me about local places where you can get good deals on soil amendments and, you know, materials and supplies and things. And it turns out that Gallo Winery has a green waste program and a lot of the local gardeners, uh, professional landscape gardeners, bring their green waste there. And then they 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 turn it into wood chips and compost, and they sell it there. 
very, very reasonable. You know, I can get a whole um, pickup truck full of wood chips, you know, for eleven dollars. <laughs> you can't beat it. Uh, so he showed me uh, the place and and so forth. I'm sure a lot of people and they'll go to Lowe's or Home Depot or places like this and they buy the commercial packed wood chips and uh you know it's quite expensive uh but then the locally you know these little uh <clears throat> advice from local people and so I go and get the wood chips and I spread those as mulch okay these are all things that as I think about it talent talk you know sharing this kind of stories I never even, you know, knew any of these things before I retired and came here and started going into gardening. And I just loved working outdoors. And, of course, my dogs are my number one helpers. And uh, they keep watching in case any hostile Indians are coming around, I guess. (laughs) Well, I want to introduce a guest to give us a Dharma glimpse, Thomas Sayo. He was part of LM4 group. We're we're all the way up into LM11 now. And this is a while ago. LM4, all the groups bond and make kind of like a mini sangha in our uh, lay ministry study program. LM4, there were about six people and five of them were coming for their induction. Okay. Uh, part of the program is that when we, when we have an induction, induction ceremony they completed the two-year program and they all come in person to our bright town center here in course called california uh, but thomas Sayo couldn't make it and they're all saying oh too bad um, but around that time i had been invited to the las vegas sangha uh, and so i said oh well at the very least i could get together with Tomaseo who worked was working and living uh with his wife in Las Vegas area. So we arranged uh to meet and we did the induction ceremony privately just for him. Uh he and his wife and I in my motel room. <laughs> and um so that kind of um uh <clears throat> was very nice. And then we had a buffet, you know, luncheon or whatever and so forth. Um, so let us hear from Tomaseo. He has since moved away from Las Vegas. But we had a very nice meeting there at that time. Tomaseo. I began my Buddhist journey in the year 2000 after a series of many disappointments with a religion I had been involved with since my birth. Church was not involvement in a religious experience. It was a social entity. The followers were saying one thing and then doing the opposite. This happened with every church that I was associated with since 1977. I was extremely frustrated. I attended a function that some traveling Tibetan monks were hosting 
and I fell for the idea of becoming a Buddhist. <laughs> Even though I knew nothing about Buddhism at this early stage of the game, it was worth a try as I had nothing to lose. One thing led to another, and I found a Zen temple in an outlying area near the city that I was living in at the time. The first service that I had attended told me that I wanted to follow the Buddha, even though I knew nothing at all about him. The very first teachers that I had were two nuns. They taught in the tradition of Thich Nhat Hanh. As most of, most of us may well know, Thich Nhat Hanh bases his practice on mindfulness. This is his main teaching. Quite frankly, this teaching and practice never truly interested me. I know that it is important, but there are many other teachings that I feel are more significant. As I am pre presenting this Dharma glimpse today, I have just returned from a visit back to my original home in Michigan. My wife and I spent some time with our daughter and their family. Other than her husband, the family consists of her college-age daughter, two boys in high school, and one boy in elementary school. While we were there, I understood the idea of mindfulness and living in the present moment. Our daughter is so involved with the kids that she does not have a fighting chance to live these two principles. We witnessed our daughter being a full-time chauffeur to take the boys to baseball leagues, pole vaulting exhibitions, trumpet lessons, and marching band practices. Our daughter works as a secretary for the school system, so fortunately, or perhaps unfortunately, is able to cart the three boys around in the summer. Our daughter is a very good cook and used to prepare dinner daily. She told us while we were there that Sunday is the only day that they gather at the table together for dinner. The other six days, everyone fends for themselves. It was very sad to watch what her life has turned into. One day we rode along as she had to juggle the events to somehow fit into her driving schedule. And while we were there driving to and from events, texts were coming one after another from parents asking questions about the upcoming band camp, which of course she is in charge of. I remembered Simon and Garfunkel's song, Feeling Groovy, with the line, Slow down, you move too fast. You've got to make the morning last. I was drained from what she was going through. I wondered, how far off is a breakdown of some sort? Well, another week has just gone by, and it is time for pre-band camp. Of course, our daughter is in charge of all the details. In a text message, she told my wife how stressed she is. I thought about Plum Village, where a bell chimes through the village periodically, and the rule is that everyone must stop what they are doing for a minute or two and be mindful of what they are experiencing at the moment. It made me appreciate being mindful for the very first time. Our life is precious, and all of us have become numb going through the day, just like the ants uh, that we see who are always scurrying about so busily. Looking at my daughter's life and then thinking about Plum Village, I became inspired to slow down and smell the roses. I may miss out on an event or two and may not read 
about all the so-called important news events of the day. But what, but do, what do I really want? Here in Texas, driving is very wild. A friend jokingly told us something which is really the truth. He informed us that there is a posted speed limit in Texas and the Texas speed limit. When driving on the highway, it is apparent that the Texas speed limit means to drive like you were shot out of a cannon. The posted speed limits are 60 miles per hour, and that holds up traffic. I ask all the time, where is everyone going in such a hurry? The purpose of life is not to see how much we can do or who can get there before everyone else. Mindfulness is appreciating, enjoying each moment. Honestly, I am not one who is very mindful. However, my vacation was quite a learning experience. I can now better understand the expression, stop and smell the roses. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. As I listened, I I was thinking about a couple of interesting stories uh, jogged my memory. One was an article I adapted from an article that I had read, and I guess it, it could be titled "Unpack Your Bags." Sometimes we're like going on vacation, and you, you know you go to a motel or something, and you know you make various stops. You're only going to stay a night or two in one place, and so you don't unpack your bags because you always got to be ready for traveling on the next day and so forth, you know, and it could be very busy. <laughs> like, oh, it's Tuesday. I must be in Belgium. <laughs> that kind of quote. Um, and when it applies to our own life, and some authors have talked about stages of life stages and understanding um Well, consider uh, young children, uh, if their older siblings are going to school, they say, well, I can't wait to go to school like my older brother. Okay. Then you get into school and then you say, oh, I can't wait for summer vacation to start. Uh, you always never unpack your bags where you're at because you always you're too busy traveling. Then after you, you're you older and you're still going to school, and you say, oh, I, I, man, when I, you know, uh, finish school, then I'm going to get a job. Then my life's really going to start. Then you get, you know, well, when you were a student, your life was exam to exam, and then you get a job, and then your life is paycheck to paycheck, and Things and you can't wait till you get your vacation and so forth. Then years go by. Say, oh man, when I retire, then I'm gonna really be able to enjoy life. Uh, so we never unpack our bags. We never, <laughs> we go. We're going too fast. Um, John Wooden, the famous uh, basketball college coach. He used to teach, uh, make haste slowly. And those people in sports, you know, 
they often say when someone gets a little bit more experienced, they're not a rookie anymore, they say, oh, the game slows down for them. Um, otherwise, things are happening so fast. and, and uh, Whereas when you're experienced, everything slows down. Or some people in basketball, when they go up for a rebound, they could see the seams and the wording on the ball as they go up to get it. It's like everything slows down. Okay? Uh, meaning that optimal performance is not when your mind is just zooming around. Okay? Everything's calm. <laughs> it's kind of interesting. And then I heard a a story about a experimental jet and that shot itself down. It went so fast. How can I, how can I, you know, I shot some cannons off and how can I do this? Well, as it was explained, imagine a plane, jet plane going and firing the cannons and then going into a power dive down, dipping down and, but it was going so fast that it went faster than the cannons that it had shot off. And it got in as it dipped down and went forward. It went faster than the cannons and the cannon shot its shot itself, shot its own plane down. So I guess the moral here is that sometimes if our life is so stressful, the pace of modern life, okay, you could think about agriculture and being uh, slower pace, nature, <laughs> seasons. <laughs> you know, you can't scatter seeds down and expect flowers to be growing full bloom the next day. <laughs> you learn patience uh, and to enjoy the moments and indeed smell the, smell the roses. That's all for today's broadcast. Thank you for calling. And until next time, keep going, and you have a beautiful day.